Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. This is an encore presentation of our episode about small business set-asides, where we try to answer the question, what kind of small business is the best kind of small business? This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Becoming a Skyway community member makes it easier to navigate the complicated world of government contracting because you gain context from Skyway's team of former contracting officers. As a member, you get unlimited access to the Ask a Contracting Officer forum and hundreds of articles, webinars, and training modules. Go to skywaymember.com to get started with a personal membership because without context, you're likely overlooking problems that you don't see. Okay, let's get started with our conversation about small business set-aside preferences. We've done multiple episodes on small business programs and different types of small business set-asides. On the small business program overall, we have, uh, as well as individual ones like the 8A program and the Hub Zone program, the historically underutilized business zones. <laughs> what we haven't really discussed is the preference or, or lack of preference between the different types of set-asides. The question that pops up is, can an, an 8A taunt of services able veteran-owned small business and say, you know, my small business type is better than yours? Or, you know, can a Hub Zone talk down to a women-owned small business? Is one better than the other? That's the question. And the answer isn't necessarily specific to any type of set-aside overall, but it could be specific for a specific acquisition. Before we explain why, let's stop and say thanks. I say thanks this week to Bradley Gentry. He's the COO of Odyssey Consulting out in Little Rock, Arkansas. And thanks, Bradley, for a great podcast feedback session. And he encouraged us to keep our content at the actionable contract level, like today. It's going to be down at the, in the weeds. And we keep it at the contract level because of feedback from folks like Bradley. Thanks, Bradley. The question for today is, is there a best type of small business? And it's sort of a trick question because it's not necessarily a type of small business that is better based on the merit and purpose of that small business category as our as our government has decided to divide them up but the type of small business can be better based on two things and and better it with regard to a specific acquisition not better holistically there's two things market research and the agency's specific small business goals to explain that we have to jump right into the far so here we are far time far 1920 3A. And FAR 19 is a small business section of the FAR. And it, this section talks about relationship among small business programs. And it says, there is no order of precedence among the 8A program, hub zone program, service disabled veteran owned small business program, or the women owned small business program. So to clarify, there's no preference between those four types of small businesses. This part of the FAR says, that for acquisitions between $3,500 and $150,000, it should be exclusively reserved for small businesses. And then interestingly, if it's over $150,000, the, the simplified acquisition threshold, the contracting officer must first consider setting it aside for a specific small business socioeconomic program like the 8A or hub zone or women-owned programs before they consider an overall small business set aside. So that's kind of weird. Between 3500 and 150000 it can go to any type of small business without any preference for any of the socioeconomic categories. Over 150000 
you have to look at those socioeconomic categories first. So the answer to the question of what is the best type of small business, it depends on the size of the acquisition, and it also depends on whether there is a socioeconomic type of small business, i.e. the four we just listed, or just a regular small business based on your amount of revenue. And understanding the difference is a big part of this. FAR 19203D clarifies a little of what you're talking about there, Kevin. It says, in determining which socioeconomic program to use for an acquisition, the contracting officer should consider, at a minimum, number one, the results of market research, and number two, agency progress in fulfilling its small business goals. And we'll talk about both of those. But what you were just saying is specific to the market research. Is a certain type of small business set aside better? Well, if the contracting officer does market research and finds that there are multiple service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses that can do this work, suddenly it's better to be one of those if they set it aside for that type of socioeconomic program. And, and this is why we say you lead with what you do, not with the fact that you, have, you are a small business. Because that market research piece is all about what kind of work do you do. The fact that you're a women-owned small business is secondary in that first piece, in that market research piece, in 52192003D. This is a good point to talk about when small business set-asides are considered. We're in the acquisition time zones here. Specifically, this is the market research zone. The battle over whether or not to set it aside and what to set it aside for occurs in the market research zone. If you get to the RFP zone, well, it matters because it's set aside and you need to know whether it's even worth your time and money to bid. But it's too late at that point to argue what, whether it should be set aside or who it should be set aside for. And then in the execution time zones, the, the recompete zone, the government's going to look at this and say, okay, we did this as a small business set aside. Did it work? Or we did it as a, as a full and open. Did it work? So there's, it's, we're revisiting that topic. And, and if you're not familiar with the time zones, episode number three is the acquisition time zones, and episode number 84 is the execution time zones. Right. The recompete zones where the, we've gone around the circle and where we, we try to describe it unsuccessfully. I, sometimes I think that, that the, the zones are kind of blending together where the recompete zone at the end of a one acquisition is really you're getting into the requirement and market research zone on the next acquisition. So that's where you're considering, like you said. Did this work? Did we do it right? It was, it was large business last time. Could it be small business this time? And this is particularly relevant on service contracts because they tend to recompete. It, they, they, they don't, it is not, usually not a one and done with service contracts. Let's get into why this is important. The small business set aside is a critical decision in the acquisition process. And knowing which players to influence in that decision is critical. The contracting officer and the contracting chain is responsible for deciding whether or not it's going to be a small business set aside. They get approval from that usually through a small business specialist or a small business professional. I think it's the new term they use for them. Right. Agencies have a small business office that manages those goals that, that the, the contracting folks have to get approval, have to run their acquisitions through these people to get approval to do full and open or to set aside. And in, in a small office, it might be one person, might be a quarter of what they do. It's another, it's another responsibility that they have. In a large office or in a large base, there's an entire office that you go to. You physically go there <laughs> and have to hand them this big piece of paper. So it's always there, just that, that that person's responsibility is making sure that the small businesses are effectively represented throughout the process. 
The reason this is important is if you are talking to the program manager or even more, if you're talking to the user of what you sell, the ultimate user, and saying, you need to set this aside for a small business because I'm a veteran-owned, a service-disabled veteran-owned small business and I can do this job, they may not care. They, what they care about is getting what they need to satisfy their mission. They might not even know what that means. I mean, if you're a user of a particular system, government contract acquisition is not something you study. <laughs> so this, this, isn't, this isn't something they've been taught. So you, again, lead with what you do. That's what they care about. And if you happen to be a small business, then you drop that afterwards and say, oh, yes, I could be really easy for you to award to because I qualify for this socioeconomic program, which makes a competition easier for you to get to me. We have an episode about the three deciders, and that's sort of what we're talking about here. The contracting officer is someone that has influence in the small business decision. The program manager, the COTR or COR, contracting officer's representative or contracting officer's technical representative, they may have an opinion. They may not have much influence here. The users may not even know what's going on. And the financial side, the folks that, that manage the money, they just want the money obligated on time and expended on time. They probably don't care what type of company does it. And, and the economic decider, which is the third side of, the, of the, the three deciders, they care because of these goals. And those are the goals we just referenced in the FAR. <laughs> That's why they care about them because they have to the, – the, the executive leadership of a particular division, they approve the goals. That's why they care about it. Right. So at the agency level, it's very important to hit those goals because that's one of the ways that you're judged. By the time the RFP is released and you go into the RFP zone, whether it's set aside for small business and the type of small business it's set aside for is likely set in stone. Fighting for that specific type of – for your particular type of small business at that point after the release, it, it's a Sisyphean exercise. You should probably explain who Sisyphus is or, or, or was at this point. <laughs> Going off there. So <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Sisyphus is a, was a, a king who in Greek mythology was punished for, for self-aggrandizing and, and for deceitfulness. And he was forced to roll an immense boulder up the hill. And then it would just roll back down again as he reached the top. And he has to repeat this over and over for eternity. It's a, his punishment for his behavior when he was immortal. And so – the, in modern culture, a Sisyphean task is one that is both laborious and futile. So, <laughs> so if, you're, if you're pounding on the government to say, hey, you just released this RFP as a women-owned small business, and I'm a veteran-owned small business, you should have done it as a veteran-owned, it's too late. You're, you're, you're having the battle at the wrong time. Sometimes also referred to as banging your head against the wall. Yeah, but Sisyphus is such a fun word to say. <laughs> Specifically on the government side. Why does the government care about preferences between programs? Well, the decision is not made in, in a vacuum. And, and depending on the size of the acquisition, it may not be easy to get it through the, the cycle. This is part of the acquisition plan. It's one of the things in FAR Part 7 about a written acquisition plan is you have to say, what is the, what is the plan for the small business set aside? So getting that approved through the process might not be easy. Yeah, you could have a great acquisition plan and run it through the small business office and they say, wait a second, this can totally be set aside. You need to do this as a small business set aside. And then you have to fight the program manager and the users who have their heart set on something that a small business doesn't build that's made by one of the, the big contractors. And remember, on the government side, once you make the decision to set it aside or not, 
and the RFP is released, stick to that decision because companies are making their decision on whether or not to bid based on that small business set aside. It, it's a critical decision in the overall acquisition process that once you own it, make sure you own it because the more you dance, the more questions you get. Yeah, you don't want to leave confusion out there about who is eligible to bid. And, and you don't want to leave confusion that it's still up for negotiation. It's up for negotiation during the market research zone, but when you get the RFP zone, you, you, you should have already made that decision and, and set it in stone. And what's that decision based on? We started at the beginning talking about two things, market research, which you just mentioned again. And the second piece is the goals. When we're talking about preference between small types of small business set-asides, it's not based on who deserves the work. It's based on that market research, who can do the work, and it's based on the small business goals. If an agency has a goal that we are going to set aside 10% of our business for women-owned small businesses, and it's mid-year, and they have only awarded 1% of their work to women-owned small businesses, then you might start to say there is a preference for women-owned small businesses. But it's not based on because women-owned small businesses are better. It's based on we need to hit our goals. So we need to find companies that are capable of doing the work and responsible that are women-owned small businesses. And we did an episode about those goals and actually gave some examples of, of how different they can be between agencies. And for some people at those agencies, the goal is to meet the goal. It's not necessarily to get the work done. It's not to satisfy the mission. Their mission is to meet the small business set-aside goals for their agency. Why does this matter to industry? You have to know where the battlefield is. Find out what the goal of your target agency is. The Veterans Administration may have a higher goal of awarding a larger number of small business contracts to veteran-owned small businesses. If you don't know that and you're a hub zone, that's a challenge. You're fighting the wrong battle and knowing when you're going to have that conversation. Because I go back to this. Once the small business set-aside is set, the agency has little, potentially little discretion, meaning that somebody way above them approved it if it's a larger acquisition. Or quite honestly, they have little reason to change it. Because if their market research showed that this should be a hub zone small business competition, that's what the market research showed. They put it in the file, they documented, they made their decision on it, and they keep moving. To change that decision means a step backward. And we, we talk about a lot. that Keeping these things moving, it's probably one of the biggest challenges. How do you influence these goals? Well, the overall agency goals, unless you have some massive lobbying cash and can influence things at that high of a level to get the overall goal for an agency, you know, for hub zone set-asides to be 25% of their business, which is never going to happen. <laughs> How do you influence it? The first step is understanding what their goals are and their progress towards their goals. If you know the agency's goals in the first place. And in a previous episode, we talked about how to find those. You can Google a little and you'll probably be able to find out what that agency's goals are for the year. With that knowledge and with some actual human contact with the contracting officer or probably the small business office at that agency, you may even be able to find out their progress towards their goals. And this becomes particularly important about halfway through the year if it turns out that they're not making progress in a specific type of socioeconomic program. And it's important to embrace the concept of abundance here. 
if if your strategy as a small business, you don't need to worry about them setting that goal. You just need to know what it is and adapt accordingly because there's plenty of opportunity for pretty much every industry that there are enough awards need to be made. And the trick is knowing for your type of small business, which agency does that type of small business give you an advantage? And once you find that out, that they, they need to meet this goal, you have to lead with, I can do the job. Once you've convinced them that you can do the job, then, oh yes, I also happen to be a women-owned small business and it could be easier and faster to award to me. Funny thing is that the small business specialist is probably the only person that might want you to lead with what you are. <laughs> hey, you, you walk into their office and say, hey, I'm a hub zone small business. They're like, oh, okay, what do you do? They're the only ones that may actually be okay with you saying <laughs> that. Everybody else wants to know what you do first. I think we've circled around on this point enough times. Let's wrap this up, Kevin. On the government, communicate the decision to set something aside ASAP, as soon as possible. Vendors are waiting for a definitive answer so they can move on to other things or they can double down and engage. Because if industry is doing this right, they know what your agency's goals are. Most of them are published. In fact, I think all of them, they may be, may be required to be published. In fact, they're required to be published somewhere. I, just, I don't know if it's public. But we found them when we researched for that last episode. But knowing the agency's goals that you have as, as a government CO and then the progress toward those goals. All you got to do is ask the small business specialist. In fact, if a couple of offices I worked, they were emailing us, you know, once a month, particularly in the fourth quarter saying, by the way, we're behind on this one. Yeah. You know, so it, that information is out there and, and you can plan accordingly. Imagine if agencies made that information easy to find for industry to make it easy for women owned small businesses to say, wow, this agency has a lot of awards left to make to women owned small businesses. Imagine how much easier that that process would be if that communication was more openly shared. So for the small business specialists that are listening, we just gave them an idea. <laughs> the sooner that the government folks communicate their decision to set it aside, the sooner you can help companies self-eliminate. If you say this is going to be an 8A set aside, your phone should only be ringing from 8A companies at that point. If you don't communicate that, you're going to have to deal with all the people that think they still have a chance. And, and on the industry side, when you're targeting and, and qualifying, we talk about both of those in a lot of episodes. This is one of those things you look at. No, make sure you know the agency's goals. It's the reason that one of the questions in the RFP score is about your small business positioning. This is why. Because if that agency has a gap for veteran-owned small business or for women-owned small business and they haven't hit those goals, whether or not they publish it, which is a really cool idea, just knowing that's the question to ask the small business specialist when you get that meeting. That's huge to say, what are you guys behind on it? And they say, oh, we've our veteran owned small business stats are off the charts this year. Well, that's this isn't the year <laughs> to try and enter that market next year, maybe. That, so that information is huge. You just said one of the questions that you ask in the RFP score, you should probably clarify what the RFP score is again. The RFP score is a tool that Skyway created to help customers basically navigate opportunities. And it's 26 questions based on FAR 7.105, which we have an episode about that. And it gives you a score between one and 100 that tells you whether or not you can actually win an opportunity. I'll wrap up by saying, industry, don't forget that prime contractors have small business goals too. Sometimes a company has overall corporate 
goals. Big companies especially have to show that they have overall corporate goals to support the government's initiatives. But specific contracts often have goals flowed down to them within that contract that you have to, as part of us awarding, of the government awarding you this contract, you have to set aside 10% of the work for veteran, for service disabled veteran owned small businesses. If you happen to be a service disabled veteran owned small business, I don't know why I picked the hardest one to say. If you happen to be one of those, you can go to the large prime contractors and say, I can do this job and I happen to be a service disabled veteran owned small business and receive a subcontract award in a very streamlined fashion because big companies have to follow the same rules as the government for the most part. And the person you talk to at the, at the company is usually called the small business liaison officer. So if you type that acronym SBLO into LinkedIn, you'll find lots of people that you should be talking to if you're looking, that's their job. They're like a small business specialist for companies. Their role is to make sure that the companies, the prime contractors meet the goals just like the government did. All right, Kevin, that's it for today. I'll talk to you later. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. If you need help navigating the world of small business preferences, visit AskSkyway.com. We'll see you next week. Yeah.